What the fuck? Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to House Party Protocol. Power of Suits and welcome in to another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today, coming all the way from across the pond, is the one and only Aaron, soon to be followed by John. He's uh, running a little late today, but Aaron's with us right now. What's happening, my guy? Not much, to be honest. A um, couple of birthdays recently, as we were talking about before the show. My son just turned four, which is pretty crazy. Wow. Um, I turned 23 on Sunday as well, so yeah, a few birthdays. Nice. Yeah, those are always a good time. And I know little kid birthdays are one of those things where, you know, you can kind of just let them run around and do their thing. And it's just like fun to watch sometimes, you know? Well, on my birthday, it was quite funny. So I was running an event and Shay showed up, who's my son, and I had a speaker set up with a microphone and he was very reluctant to say anything. Just kept saying no. And then in the end, I managed to get him to say something. So so I'll give him the microphone and he says, Dad. And I'll go, yeah. And he goes, smells at the top of his voice through the microphone. Everyone was loving it. Thought it was absolutely hilarious. So fair play to him. Oh, that's great. That's excellent, man. You know, kids are great with, with that they kind are. of stuff. You know, they're just they're just little truth machines. Yep. I was like, thank, thank you, son. You really, really made my birthday there. Cheers. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. And, and hopefully after he said dad smells, he like gave you some cologne or something as a gift, right? Yeah, no, you gave me some chocolates, luckily, so it's not, hopefully not too much truth in that one. Ah, uh, yeah, there you go. A little, you know, a little, little sweeten the sting with the chocolate. Yeah, just try and make up for you after, bless him. <laughs> so, Aaron, I've recently been wondering, so there's a part of of England, I don't know if it's like a, a London burb or, or what, but called Northampton, right? Northampton, yeah. Northampton. So, are there two H's? That's what I need to know. Uh, give me a second. I'm pretty sure it's N O R T H A M P T O N. So there's one H. Yeah, that's what I thought too, and that's got me thinking of like when you say that and you call it Northampton, you're you're making two words out of one word. Yeah, it's quite funny. <laughs> Yeah, isn't that weird? Like, and it's to me, I would think like, yeah, that would be like Northampton, yeah, or Northampton. Yeah, yeah. But you I know. think a lot of people say it's Northampton. Yes, I'm. I'm very sure that that's how it's said. It's just one of those like weird things of the English language that always just gets me. Why do we say things this way? <laughs> well, the worst one for me is fridge. Fridge. Yeah, so fridge has the letter D in it, but refrigerator doesn't, and it really bugs me. Mm. Yep. Yep, that's a good one. You know, we could go on so, down this train for a while of so things that really bug us. we could do a really whole episode us. about this. <laughs> exactly. But today, we have 
two very distinct characters to talk about today. I mean, these two characters could not be more different. And what's really exciting about it is that they come in the same box. And interestingly enough, they're the same person. Yep. And that's Emma Frost. Yeah, she's um, definitely uh, a diamond amongst the I would say, isn't she? She's very interesting. Oh, no doubt. Very interesting. And, uh, you know, I think she's definitely got a little bit of shine to her, but let's see if we can uncover that a little bit as we go through her. But as always, the first thing we're going to do is talk about this model. And I said it when she was first revealed, and I stand by it. The, The basic model of where, you know, she's not in diamond form, the one that they've shown off here. Like, I, I like that model. I think it's fine. I, I don't know if it's the, the way the paint job looks or what, but the way that the diamond form model looks, it's just not for me. Yeah, it's really peculiar. The mod- models themselves are actually really similar, aren't they? They've just yes. It looks almost as if they've just been painted slightly different. Yes. Um, it is something that a few people commented on, at least in my local group, when we first saw the models. So it's a bit odd um, the way that they've decided to do it. Yeah, I think they are actually the exact same legs torso cape yep and just maybe maybe the same head um it's not far off at all it it it, it looks like basically different arms and a slightly yeah. different angle for the head yeah but I, I like the way that they've got like in her normal form like you know the hand up to the head and pointing out i really like that but like yeah and I get that this is one of those where it's like there's only so much you can do with a diamond form Emma from like a posing perspective, but it just yeah, for sure it just doesn't send me. You know what I mean? And you know, painting white sucks. Yep, <laughs> it's not wrong at all. Yeah. So are are you gonna do like her in this like white queen garb, or are you gonna do like something different? Maybe like a black queen, or try to do like a red queen or something? I don't know if I'm gonna pick her up. However, what I've been doing with a few models lately, because I don't normally paint, but I've recently been trying a sort of Sin City vibe. Ooh. So completely black with sort of red highlights. Love it. So I don't know how that would work with Emma Frost. So it'd be hard to differentiate between normal form and diamond. So I might have to look at that one if I do pick her up. Yeah, I think uh, it'll be a, a pretty interesting, interesting thing. And if I had it, I'm, I mean, let's be honest, I'm going to be picking her up. But uh, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, I just I don't know what I want to do with the paint painting situation. But anyways, it's neither here nor there. Let's now dive in and talk about this stat card here and what I think we should do. Aaron, let me see what you think. I think we should cover all of one form, then cover yeah. the other form. Yeah, definitely. I've just double checked, and as far as I can see, neither of the forms change from the healthy to injured side. So if we just sort of go through both individually, I think that'll work best. Perfect. Perfect. So I think we got to start with Emma Normal. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got Emma Frost Normal and with an alter ego of Emma Frost. And it's worth noting her transformed form is Diamond. It's Emma Frost Diamond. So worth noting that. And... For those of you that might not be familiar or kind of new to the game and maybe you haven't picked up, say, the Ant-Man and Wasp box or Or the Hood, Hood, Ms. Marvel, and you don't know what the transform mechanic is, it was added to the game after release. And basically what it is, is 
there will be a triggering thing for Ant-Man. It's his punch. For Hood, it's when he gets damaged, he can transform into the demon. Uh, for Emma, we'll go over what hers is, but there's a triggering mechanic, and it allows you to place the second form, the, the next form of that character yep. within range one of where they were. So it kind of gives you a little bit of interesting movement and flexibility in that way. And and it's a mechanic that has been um what's the word I'm looking for? Uh not deployed often, like kind of held back, if you will, but when they do deploy it, it's usually pretty interesting, wouldn't you say, Aaron? Yeah, for sure. It's it's very, very interesting. Really adds a lot to a character because it just adds another complete layer that not many other characters have. I mean, Ant-Man, we've seen he can cover an insane distance, and largely that is because of the transform. The same with Miss Marvel, especially with her being on such a big base when she transforms. So it's very interesting whenever we see this mechanic printed. Absolutely, absolutely. So Emma's doing that here, and it's it's one of those things where the way that hers works is a little different than a couple of the others, but I find it to be very interesting. But yeah. Let's talk about this top stat line first. So she has a two physical defense, a three energy defense, a five mystic defense. She has a stamina value of six, a threat value of four. She is size two. She moves medium. And from the pictures, it looks like she is very clearly on a 35 millimeter base. Yeah, for sure. So with this top stat line Aaron on her normal form I don't know about you but that two physical defense scares the bejesus out of me yeah so it's it's pretty risky however we've seen plenty of characters where um they've got one defense that is very low such as Venom he's always my call to with his two energy defense physical is a little bit more scary because it's so common in the game however with the fact that she has a transform mechanic and her strength when it comes to her other defenses, I think she's pretty okay overall. You'll need to be a little bit careful with her, especially against throws, as that's where I think the pain could really start to come through. So it's definitely something to keep in mind and look out for. Yeah, absolutely. So Aaron, would you like to go over her attacks? Yes, so the first attack on her character card is Psychic Spike. So this is a range for five dice mystic attack that doesn't cost anything to use. So this is what we'd call a builder, as it's basically a way for her to gain some power. So after the attack is resolved, this character gains power equal to the damage dealt. And on the trigger of a wild and a hit, it's got bend will. So after the attack is resolved, this character may advance the target character small. And quite interestingly, as it's an advance, there's no size restriction, so it can move any enemy character. Yeah. I gotta say, I really love this. Yeah, definitely. Um, the five dice teeters it over the edge of, I think, Mysterio, who's got a similar effect, but he's only four dice. So I think it's going to be really powerful to see. Yeah, and what's interesting is the fact that you mentioned Mysterio there. So Mysterio, you're right, he has four, and his is range three, whereas this is yeah. range four, so I love that. And then this one requires two triggers, a hit yeah. and a wild. And... Aaron, I don't know about you, but I've had plenty of those games where I don't roll a wild, I don't roll a hit, or I'll have like three wilds. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I think the hit's quite common, and on five dice, you'd be pretty unlucky not to get it, but yeah, for sure, the wild can definitely get a bit tricksy. The fact you need both means you can't rely on this every time, but again, as you mentioned, range four, with some of the new crisis, 
means you can sit back in a position of safety and potentially meddle with other models that are scoring objectives. Yeah, that's what I really like about it is is that long range and save her for a late activation maybe and and maybe even not. Maybe you can just say, okay, cool, you came and yep. took that objective. Well, I'm going to go ahead and move you off of it. So now you have to come and commit another character to that yeah, objective. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and that's one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot more with my play, Aaron, is like, I'm always like, man, I've got to save this really powerful effect for the end. Like, I've got to, I've got to save something like Emma so she can bend Will or something yeah. till the very end because I don't want to let her, you know, get out there and get hurt and then lose this or lose that. But realistically, yeah. you don't always have to do that. You can find ways to maximize the performance of your characters without trying to say, well, this one character has to be the last activation. For sure. I think it's similar to Ghost Spider. Classically, a lot of people wanted to activate last because she can easily manipulate enemy models, pull them off points, or push them off with impact webbing. However, sometimes going with her in the early turns can actually leave your opponent that out of position that gets them a little bit flustered and not sure where to go because suddenly they've had to change their plans as well. Exactly, exactly. So I, I really like Psychic Spike, and uh, I think the name of it just is really cool, like Psychic Spike. Like it's literally yeah. she's shooting mind bullets at people. Yeah, literally like a dagger to the brain, isn't it? It's really cool. Exactly. What's the next one? So the next one that she's got is called Hands Off. So this is a range free, eight dice attacks, a big attack. It's mystic, and it costs four power to use. And it has the triggered effect of defense strike. It goes off in a wild, and before damage is dealt, if the target character is size four or less, this character may throw the target away small. So, again, some more control, a bit of an easier trigger as you do only need the wild, but the fact that it's a size 4 throw is whopping. It means you'll be throwing around characters like Rhino, you'll be throwing around really big characters that can really hurt the enemy if they're out of position. Yes, and I don't know about you, but she's got a lot of ways to spend her power, but this is a darn good spender, I think. Yeah, for sure. 8 dice is that slight step above, say, 6 or 7 where you can almost guarantee you're going to be putting at least two or three damage through as a minimum. Well, uh, maybe for you, but for me, seven is the sweet spot with my dice. <laughs> like, no, no. I, for whatever reason, every time I roll eight dice, it's like, nope, fail. But neither here nor there. Yeah, I mean, you do have those occasions. Yeah. I've had Moon Knight attacks. We've all webbed up and the blessing of Conchu that are eight dice and they score me nothing. But nine times out of ten, they do tend to put in some work. Absolutely, absolutely. But we've all had those juggernaut turns where he moves and he gets his one attack with eight dice, and it's just big whiff. Yep. <laughs> and as someone that doesn't play juggernaut but has had to play against him, I'm more than happy to see those moments. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So this attack is really interesting because it is you have to be a little bit closer. It costs yep. four, so it's not cheap. But if you've got that big target, Juggernaut as an example, the Kitty as an example, right there in front of you, I mean, I feel like this is a pretty powerful bit of thing. And it's unfortunate that this is not an omnidirectional throw. It still has to be thrown yeah. away. But it's mystic, so that tends to be a lower defense type for people. Yeah, for sure. And the way I'd look at it is I'd probably pay free power to be able to throw a character away small of size 4. And then that build is probably worth three power without the throw. So for four power, even though it seems expensive on the face of things, it's a bit of a bargain, really, if you get the trigger. And and that's it right there, right? Is like a lot of these things that have these triggers in here, a lot of spenders that have triggers like this, you know, 
if this was seven dice and three power and you and you have that wild throw effect, you wouldn't even bat yeah. an eye to say this is comparable to a throw. This is basically yeah. a throw that is also an attack. And yeah, for sure. When you look at it where it says size four or less, you can think about this where, okay, you're you're hoping to do as much damage as possible, maybe even finish them off, and this is a before damage is dealt throw. I was just about to say that's another great aspect of this attack is that you're always getting the value out of that. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I really love that aspect of it. There's there's value across the board, which makes me happy with stuff like this. And I'll uh I'll never scoff at that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, for sure. All right. So now that's all the attacks on normal form Emma. So let's talk about her superpowers. Yep. First up, we have a reactive superpower. So there's going to be a trigger, and then you'll get to do the thing, and we'll see what happens here. So it's a reactive superpower called Diamond Form. There you go. It's going to cost you one power to do this, though. So this is where things get interesting of making sure you're saving at least one power on Emma for this right here. No matter what you do, save that one power because diamond form is going to cost you one power. And here is the trigger for when she can change. When this character is targeted by an attack, it may use this superpower. This character transforms into Emma Frost Diamond. Now, Remember how we said that two on the physical scared the pants off of me? Yep. It still does. However, the fact that you're able to, when targeted, transform, I really love that. It's almost similar to the way that Vision can choose to change forms uh, to get the preferred defense when he's targeted by an attack. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, And this will allow you to, you know, if you're getting hit with, a certain type of attack, you know, maybe, you know, I don't want to give anything away for when we get to talking about diamond form. However, some of her defenses change. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, I mean, been spiky defenses to having very all rounded ones is quite some more, is it? I think. Exactly, exactly. And it's interesting because I feel like that's a little mini game that you're going to be playing with Emma is do I change now and lose access to a hands-off, lose access to a couple of these other superpowers we're going to talk about, or do I take the hit and and try to maximize my turn with the the psychic spike, hands-off, and and other things? So I think that that's what makes this character really interesting and unique. For sure, yeah. So the next superpower we have is another reactive superpower called Shield Mind. It's going to cost you two power. When this character or an allied character within range four of it would be advanced, placed, or pushed by the effects of an enemy mystic attack or enemy superpower, you may use this superpower. The allied character is not advanced, placed, or pushed. Yep. Love it. Yeah, so this is super powerful. We've seen it on a couple of our characters, very similar effects before, um, and it can be really pesky for those control teams, such as Web Warriors. So 
hating to see it, but love to see it at the same time. Absolutely. Now, it is worth noting that this does not prevent throws and stuff like that, which would be just amazing. It would be bonkers. Yes, but another thing is there are certain physical attacks, so for instance, like an impact webbing that you mentioned earlier, that would push you. So it won't stop a physical attack that has one of those type of triggers from doing anything. It's only mystic attacks that have those triggers. So we mentioned Mysterio as an example. He would not get his advance with Shield Mine. However, to your point, with the advances, places, or push superpowers, this is huge. And for someone that's played a lot of uh, Convocation recently with the Superior Strange... Yeah, yeah. I mean, this just shuts down. He has to spend four power to do his effect, and this is just within range four of Emma. She completely shuts that down for just two power. What's bonkers for me is I know that Thanos is still a bit of a bo boogeyman at the minute, and she counters every form of displacement that he has on his card, I believe. Uh, yeah, if you're running Senior Thanos, which is the space and reality Thanos, yep. yeah, I mean... So the interesting thing is, space, he moves his own allies and himself, so he wouldn't really be affected by the, the space no, no. part of it. But his but cosmic portal... puts down him moving your characters. Exactly, exactly. Cosmic portal is offline when Emma's yep. around. I really like that. Super powerful. Yeah. And like I said earlier, she really wants her power, and this is one of those things where... Finding ways to get her power and keep her having power, I think, is going to be really yeah. important. Definitely. And and this, again, goes into that minigame, Aaron, and I want to ask you, do you feel like that the idea of keeping her in one form or the other is going to be more about the matchup than it is about like just trying to get the different abilities? I do think it definitely comes down to the matchup. Um, personally, if you're against a roster like Weapon X, where physical attacks are in complete abundance, you're going to struggle if you keep her on this side uh, for the whole game, and she will go down quite quickly. However, if you're against, as you've just mentioned, Convocation, where there's an awful lot of Mystic attack, then you're going to really benefit from that 5 Mystic defense, so it's definitely matchup dependent. I think there are cases where the toolkit that she has on either card is more useful in a given situation, but it's going to be really interesting to see the different ways people approach her and play her and whether people go, I'll just switch whenever I get the opportunity or go, actually, I'll risk, say, lower defense to keep this side of the card. Yeah, and that's where I think things are interesting because with Shield Mind here as an example, playing into Web Warriors, right? Web Warriors don't have a huge attack dice pool, generally speaking, and saying, okay, well, I'll take your four dice attack into my yep. two dice, but yet when you try to move my characters, I'm going to shield mine all over the place, and you're not going to be able yep. to move anybody. She's definitely a big denial piece, um, which is just reflected across the character card. It's really great to see. Absolutely. And then we have another reactive superpower here, which that makes three reactive superpowers on this character, and I don't think we've seen that many reactive superpowers on a single character yet. No, um, she's uh, definitely got a lot of answers to a lot of different things, hasn't she? Right, right. That's what's interesting about this, like having so many reactive superpowers on the normal form of Emma here is the answers to the questions. 
which is just a whole thing in and of itself. But it's called telekinetic deflection. It's going to cost you two power. If this character would suffer a collision, it may use this superpower. This character yeah. does not suffer damage from this collision. So she's got brace on tap for admittedly one more power. It's incredible. Um, the fact that she has that little physical defense, as we talked about, her biggest vulnerability is those big throws. Someone throwing even just a source free at her could be devastating. It's four incoming damage. You've only got the opportunity to realistically block two consistently. And even then, it's pretty unlikely. The fact you can just go, you know what? I don't fancy the odds with uh, tele telekinetic deflection is insane. It's really, really powerful and really patches over some of the weaknesses on her card. Absolutely. And it's, again, one of those things where you're going to have to get her that power, dude. Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, it's every character in this game is power hungry in some way or another. You know, like everybody wants to use their power different ways. And I find that as we go through Emma here, I'm just like, everything's pretty cheap. But the fact that you just, you need to have that power. And unless yeah. you're getting attacked, taking damage, kind of in the thick of it or, or whatever, you're, you're going to have a hard time, I think, building consistent power with Psychic Spike. And I think Psychic Spike's a good builder, but it's going to be tough, I think, to, to have enough power to do all the things. Right? Yeah, without any pierce and without any rerolls, I do believe she will struggle. However, this is where it will come down to what affiliations you put her in. Just some quick examples. A-Force and Brotherhood give her lots of easy power gain. Uh, Shadow and Stair Devil makes the effectiveness of that attack go up. So there's a potential there to definitely help amplify her power gain, which I think will be essential in getting her to do exactly what you want her to do. Because if you've got all that power for so many reactive superpowers... The fact you're using that much of your power and so efficiently is going to really benefit you. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's really what the name of the game is right there is efficiency. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So, Aaron, we have one final superpower on Emma Frost normal here. Power inhibition. And we've seen something like this before on Mystique during yep. this character's activation. Enemy characters cannot use reactive superpowers or reactive team tactics cards. And this is an innate ability, so this is always active. I don't know about you, Aaron, but this is awesome. Yeah, so I don't know about myself either. I think it's really powerful. I know there's someone else that's got some thoughts on this. Hello, everybody. I think this is a real one for Emma Frost. I think when we're talking power gain, this is a really nice opportunity for her to kind of get those extra damage through on her attacks, start gaining that power that we know she needs for kind of like diamond form and things like that. I think the inability to turn off certain rerolls for defensive tech and things is huge, and it's only going to help her bump her power up. Welcome in, John. Thank you very much. A late arrival, but I got here in the end. Yes, yes. I'm glad you're here. You know, you, you made it just in time as we're finishing up normal Emma, so you can be here for Diamond Emma, but... Mate, you know me. I'm not missing mutants if I can help it. Exactly, exactly. That's why, that's why I figured. I was like, you know what? This is the perfect opportunity to bring the band back together. Sounds good. So this power inhibition, you mentioned it, right? Turning off rerolls. Not only does it turn off rerolls, it turns off things like Juggernaut's damage reduction. Yep. yep. It turns off things like Beta Ray Bill's damage reduction. 
Yep. It turns off quite a lot, really, when we look at the grand scope of things now. Exactly. And this is one of those things where, depending on where she's affiliated, this could have huge implications. Yeah, and I think what's really interesting and could be really, really painful to go up against is, as we were saying, Emma Frost loves that Brotherhood uh, power gang. So if you can fit Emma and Mystique into a Magneto-led team, it's going to be really difficult as half of the activations will be shutting down anything you can do in response. Uh, yeah, that sounds disgusting. Yeah, and I think it will be as well. But also, it sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's a really, really strong 13 fret core, I think, just because of how much denial it has. I mean, Spider Tracker goes out the window. Any form of martial prowess goes out the window. Lifesaver goes out the window. It's pretty gross. It's really good and gross in a good way, but pretty gross all, all the time. Right, and and what's interesting about it is, you know, I think about it in terms of cable giving someone extra shield. Or Dr. Strange as Dr. Well. Strange, exactly. Stuff like that, stuff that you don't even think about in those terms, all of a yeah. sudden, it's gone. Yeah, you've got no bodyguard either, so if you think you've got Luke Cage hopping in or something like that, that's not going to be happening anytime soon. Yep. Exactly. No bodyguard, no taunt, or, you know, like what Luke, like you said, with Luke Cage there. Like, it's Another funny. Another really niche situation is the fact that she has a Solace War character throw, so that means no brace, brace for impact. So if someone has got a Solace War character and you're throwing it at one of their smaller characters, they really need to hope and pray that they can dodge out the way oh man like you just literally my mind is like the emoji of the exploding mind emoji right now <laughs> it's it's pretty gross <laughs> i mean yeah no brace on a size four throw i mean just uh... it's horrid it's, it's really brutal man yeah that sounds awesome and it's just uh, yeah i can't this to me, this kind of stuff, like, this is the fun thing, like, where when we read this character, there's a baked-in weakness in that physical defense. But yep. there's so many cool things that I think this character does, and and we'll get into it when we talk about her diamond form and about, like, affiliations and stuff like that. But, man, this sounds so, it's just, this is so cool. Yeah, for sure. And did we get some news today? We did. The klaxons went off as John walked in. I'm going to take full credit for this as well. But as I arrived and knocked on the door, AMG dropped us the newest updated affiliation lists that contain Spider Woman, Beta Ray Bill, Agent Venom, and Ulik. Nice. And not to jump in with spoilers there, Will, but I believe we now have the character with the most affiliations in the game as one of those four characters has made their way into a whopping five different affiliations. Oh, man, this is incredible. I am very excited for this. And it's one of those things. Everybody thought that Spider-Woman was going to be everywhere. Web Warriors, S.H.I.E.L.D., Avengers, Hydra, Hydra. and A-Force. All of the affiliations she's made her way into. Nice. Hey, I told you guys that she was going to be in Hydra. I knew it. That's... That's awesome True. that she's there. Like, Although, to be honest, Will, at this point, by the looks of things, you could have just thrown a dart at the affiliation list and probably got one right. Touche. Touche. Uh, I, she's I can... absolutely everywhere. <laughs> yes. She really is. And and I think that she's one of these characters, because she's everywhere, we're going to see her everywhere on the tabletop as well. Sure, definitely. She's such a good character as well that it would be strange not to. Definitely. It would be. I mean, 
just quickly to jump ahead, Will, I am so excited to finally have not only one, but two new affiliated characters. <laughs> Honestly, it's been so long, Will. It's been nearly 80 years um, since I've had an affiliated character. I cannot wait. It's been 80 years. <laughs> Cue the Titanic I mean, he memes. Had he had just had a birthday and got slightly older, so his concept of time is out the window. Yeah, it's out the window now. Yeah. It's all gone, gone to pot. I haven't had a new one since I was, like, what, 21? I'm now 23, and we've got two at once. I can't wait. Can't wait. So speaking of the other affiliated character, we've got Agent Venom, and where does he slot yeah. in? So Agent Venom currently sits in S.H.I.E.L.D., Web Warriors, and Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. Has he made his way into any others? Not that I can see. Let me just double-check it. No, no that S.H.I.E.L.D., is. Web Warriors, and Guardians of the Galaxy for what is one of the coolest models AMG have released in a long time in Age of Venom himself. Absolutely. And and this is another one where I don't think there's any surprises there. I think the only surprise is maybe you could have seen him in Avengers, but I think it makes sense yeah. that he's not there. We have, however, had some surprises with where Ulick, the biggest troll in MCP, has turned up. Yeah. Um, as he's crept his way into Criminal Syndicate somehow. What the f***? <laughs> it's really weird but somehow it's made his way in there um, into the criminal syndicate, syndicate so I can only begin to imagine some of the shenanigans that they'll be able to pull off with the big angry troll and his absolute ridiculous movement shenanigans yeah. angry troll, rhino, lizard, kingpin yeah. counters two, reduce damage, good luck yeah good luck getting through the lineup Dude. that is rhino, ulic, lizard, kingpin and maybe a splashed in juggernaut if there's space that is one big, beefy boy roster right there. Seriously, what in the absolute shenanigans? Like, you want to talk about trolling. This is AMG trolling us. It has to be. AMG doing trolling at their best and with right. style. Where else has he made his way, John? I believe he's in Asgard? Uh, he is currently not in Asgard. No, so he hasn't made his way into Asgard. He has made his way into Cabal. Yep, so Cabal... Um, criminal Syndicate for whatever reason. And Ulic. that is it. And those are the two for him. So really interesting because it's not either of the places I expected to see him personally. No Cabal, joke. I suppose I can understand it's generic bad guys. But Crim Syndicate's just a bit bonkers. I'm sure we'll have lots of people saying I'm something of a Crim Syndicate player myself very soon. Oh, uh, no joke. <laughs> I think we're going to see a lot of people saying, mm, everybody like criminal syndicate already was in a really good spot. Yeah. And they yeah, just sure. got that much better. Cause I think Ulick really synergizes with what they want to do, especially Kingpin, yeah. but even Shadowlands. Especially with that tactics card of him, of his, where the only real downside is having to drop objectives. The fact that Kingpin's leadership will let you pass them yeah. off to someone first really covers the gaps on that and just gives you a bonkers bit of movement. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then lastly, we have Beta Ray Bill. Yep. So and Beta Ray Bill, John, do you want to tell us where he's ended up? I don't think there are any big surprises here for Beta Ray Bill. Beta Ray Bill has dropped himself into Asgard, and then he has dropped himself into Guardians of the Galaxy, and those are the two places he will find a home. Yep. Love it. I love that character. I'm sad, that again, that he's not like an Avenger. It makes sense. It makes sense. But What's I love really crazy. Uh, Will, sorry to cut you off for me, is that how much these four characters are shaking things up. 
Shield have two new characters. Guardians of the Galaxy have two new characters. Prince Syndicate got one out of nowhere, and A Force got one out of nowhere. Then Web Warriors again, two new characters. It's an absolute bonk to shake up of the meta, and I'm expecting to see these stars absolutely everywhere. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think these are going to be very popular characters on the tabletop for a while. Because I think when we look at these characters and like when we went over these characters here on the podcast, one of the things that we talked about was the level of splash ability of all of them. Like they're all capable of just hopping into whatever affiliation you want. But the fact that someone like Spider-Woman is so affiliated all over the place, I mean, there's really no downside. It's quite funny, as I believe the last highest affiliated character was also a web warrior, which is Black Cat. Mm-hmm. Spider Woman's just gone, move over, I'm here, I'm proud, and I'm absolutely loud in five different affiliations, which is bonkers. It's insane. It's insane. And, and I'm super here for it. For sure. So, with the breaking news out of the way, I think we have to talk yeah. about... Emma Frost in her diamond form. What do you guys think? For sure. Definitely. Spider infected have invaded the affiliations, but now it's back to the Emma Frost. That's right. There was panic at the affiliation document. <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm all for it. No joke. No joke. John, would you like to go over Emma Frost's diamond form top stat line? Yeah. Emma Frost diamond in brackets has four physical four energy, and four mystic defense. So he's a flat four across the board, which is always good. She has six health. She is still threat four, which is no surprise. She is size two and movement range medium. Cool. So the only thing that changes is those defense values. And like we alluded to when we were talking about it earlier, Aaron, you go from kind of some strong and weak things on her normal form to kind of just general across the board goodness. Like it's, yep, it's for sure. I don't know about good. It's more like slightly above average, right? I mean, for me, four 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 is such a such a refreshingly solid, you know, stat line of defenses. We've seen characters lately with say one that's a huge drop off or one that's got a huge spike. That it's nice to actually see someone that's just four 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 across the board can deal with everything quite well. Nothing spectacular, but again, no real weaknesses, and that is what this form of Emma gives us, and I'm really happy that we didn't end up with something crazy like one mystic defense on this side. Absolutely. I'm right there with you, and it's one of those things where if you're targeted by a physical attack, and let's say it's five or more dice, which is very common in Crisis Protocol right now, switching to diamond form is going to net you at least a better chance against those whereas if you're sitting there against a five dice attack against your two dice you're likely not going to be dazed but if it's the first of two attacks you're probably going to get dazed whereas if you change to diamond form you have a chance to stand up against two attacks suddenly it's a completely different ball game uh, because those five dice attacks go from being absolutely devastating to actually pretty average when they're going into four defense dice. exactly exactly and it's worth noting here that like emma's able to transform in the middle of her activations with some very interesting interactions and i'll bring one of those up right now so for instance if she dazes someone let's say she's playing into shield dazes someone 
and Bucky or Nick Fury and the boys are standing nearby and they decide to shoot at her, she can transform in the middle of her activation yep. into diamond form to stand up to those attacks a little better. What's really interesting is that for me, Emma Frost would normally hate going up against Venom as he's got counterattacks that are physical. But due to the fact that she can just transform her way out of there into that full physical defense, it's really powerful. Well, yeah. And what's interesting is Venom wouldn't be able to clap back against Emma when she's in her physical form, though. Yep. So, so it's, it's very interesting, but that is another form of mechanics where it would come into play if he was able to do so. Exactly. So that, that's the interesting thing for me. It's like if, if you've got a character like a Venom that loves to clap back, you can say, well, I'm going to bring Emma up against Venom, and now he can't heal while I'm beating the crap out of him. Yeah. So For sure, it's really powerful. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what about the attacks, Aaron? So first of all, we now, instead of Psychic Spike, I believe is what it's called on a healthy side, we have Diamond Strike. So this is only a range 2 attack. It's physical now instead of Mystic. However, it's 5 dice. It costs you nothing to use, 0 power, so it's another builder. After this attack is resolved, this character gains power equal to the damage dealt. And it's got a couple of triggers this time, so it's got Stun on a Wild and Pierce on a Crit. Which is pretty interesting, as I don't think we've ever seen Pierce on anything but a Wild. So, after this attack is resolved, thanks to the Stun, this target character gains a Stun Special Condition. And the Pierce, as a lot of us will know already, get to change one of the defending character's successes to a blank. So that's a crit world block, change him over to a blank, so it won't work against anyone that counts blanks as defences. But against the majority of characters, this is going to be a healthy way to punch through some damage. Really interesting that it's on a crit rather than a world. Yeah, I definitely think that's weird. John, how do you feel about this attack? Uh, I think it's a solid kind of builder attack for her. I don't think it's as good as a builder on the other side. No. Um, but I think having Pierce is always wonderful. I've been playing a lot of Weapon X. A Pierce on a builder is amazing. Yeah. Um, and I think the built-in stun is pretty good as well. There are a lot of characters out there now that don't like having stun. So having it on a builder is definitely going to be useful. I don't think it blows me away, but it has a utility use. For sure. Yeah, I think you really hit the nail on the head with this. This is definitely a downgrade, I think, from her normal form attack. And I think that when we go through this, this is going to be something to keep in mind is these two forms of Emma function very, very differently. So keeping that in mind as we go through this and how you're going to be able to maximize one or the other and leverage both forms is yep. going to be important and it's going to be something that I think is going to be hard to do. For sure. And when I look at Diamond Strike, the fact that her basic attack on her normal Psychic Spike is range 4 and then if she's targeted she gets to transform so that's not getting you to range 2 so then nope. you're still going to have to find a way to get into range 2 to even use Diamond Strike and, and I feel like this was an opportunity, I think, for AMG to say, okay, cool. When she's in diamond form, she's a little bit more punchy, right? And they could have given her, I think this could have been a six dice attack. And yep. it would have made more sense that you, with the, the movement and all of that kind of stuff that, that you get out of transforming and stuff. And, you know, she wants to be far away in normal form. And as you'll see in a few minutes, 
close up in diamond form and trying to leverage all of that, I think you could have made it more appealing to to want to transform into diamond form with something like like a six dice attack. But I think this is good, and like you said, John, the stun is very useful, but it's an after attack is resolved, so you might end up dazing someone before you even stun them. Yeah. So, I don't know. I find this to be an interesting thing, you know? I think it's interesting in quite an odd way because it sort of goes against what she wanted to do on her other character card. Yes. So it definitely changes up sort of her position and what she does want to do on the table. Again, I think the biggest benefit that I've seen so far realistically is changing for the sake of the defences. However, if you're in a position where you can get some of these close-range attacks off, then it is definitely going to be worth it. Right, and I think this is one of those things where it's as you get more into the mid-game, right? Like you're in the yeah. middle of round two, maybe she's already activated, then you can boop, transform, have those better defenses set up for a diamond strike or maybe her yep. next attack that we're going to talk about in a second. Stuff like that I think could be very beneficial. Whereas, you know, it's it's again, this is going to take some getting used to with this character of when to change, when not to change, and how to leverage these different things. But Aaron, what's the next attack? So the next attack is called Shatter. This is, again, a physical attack. It's range area two, so it hits everyone within two. It's seven dice, and it costs a whopping six power to use. So an absolute, you know, big, big spender there, which I think is going to really drain away from a power gain if you ever do want to use it. It's got the trigger of Pierce. However, again, it's weirdly on a, a crit rather than a wild. And then it also has, after this attack, after all attacks are resolved, this character may transform into Emma Frost normal. So it's very strange. And for me, the biggest thing that will catch people out with Emma Frost, and I think it will be completely innocently done, is that people playing her will, from muscle memory, roll a world and go, cool, I've got the pierce. And I think that's going to catch out a lot of people. I don't think people will be doing it with the intention of gaining advantage or cheating. It's just so weird to see it on a trigger that isn't a world. Yeah. I mean, we've been conditioned to see Wild Pierce and the fact that it's a crit. I think it, it makes it more interesting. For sure. It's an interesting move from AMG as they've clearly done it for a reason. And that reason, the only thing I can see is to make it a less reliable trigger. Um, but the fact that we've got so many characters out there with it on a Wild already feels like an odd movement so late into sort of the release of characters when you consider how many characters there are now. Definitely interesting, though. And definitely nice to see something different. It will just be something to bear in mind um, and to watch out for really when playing it. Absolutely. So I want to say two things about Shatter here. And and one is about the attack itself and one is about the pierce on a crit. So first of all, I will never use Shatter. I, I don't, I don't, uh, unless I'm like one health away from death and I've got a juicy yeah. opportunity to hit three or more characters and just like, let me just shoot my shot. To me, this is one of those spenders that will never see the light of day. For me. No, it, I'm not a fan. No, it's far too overly costed when you consider what she wants to do with the power to be spending six on an area two seven yeah. dice attack. Exactly. When you compare it to the spender on the other one of her character cards, you're losing an attack dice. You're losing a range. Yes, you're gaining, gaining the area effect, but that's very circumstantial. You're losing essentially... Three inches of range for those that know the, the differences in the measurements of the tools. And you're losing a sizeful throw to really just gain the ability to transform a, a janky pierce. And you get all of that for the luxurious 
cost of paying two extra power, it doesn't really appeal to me. Yeah, the math doesn't compute on this one for me. And no. and I understand that AMG sure. values the, the idea of being able to hit multiple characters with a seven dice attack. That's That yeah. does have an inherent value. But you, we talked about Agent Venom recently, right? He has a beam spender that can also hit three characters, and it's yep. seven dice for four power, right? Yep. So uh, Logan, as an example, the new Logan, he is extremely deadly, seven dice for four power on his uh, the the his beam. I don't know what it's called off the top of my head, but when you know what you mean though. When you think about things in those contexts, right, and a beam is significantly easier to set up than an area attack, in my experience. Definitely. I, this is the one beam, where... The way, sorry to cut you off. The beam, the way I look at it, is you get to hit your target like you normally would with the added bonus of possibly hitting other bodies. However, an area attack generally means you've got a lower range in the first place, which can limit you in, in, in that sense. It also puts you in a position where you've got to be careful of the other characters of your own that are around her because this attack doesn't ignore friendly characters, so they will be suffering one damage from it. It's, it's really limiting, mm -hmm. and I think, a common design, um, not flaw necessarily, but something we've seen quite a lot, is area attacks being severely overpriced. Yes, and, and this is one where it feels like this was different at some point during the testing process. Yeah. And, and here, here's what I think is that this was different in the testing process as it was Area 3. This feels like it, yeah. it is costed as if it was Area 3. Definitely. And, it, I mean, if it was Area 3, you could maybe justify that 6 power cost because in the right position, you're hitting the entire enemy team. And right. seven with Pierce, whether it's on a world or not, is pretty good. So Area 3 maybe could justify it. However, Area 2, for me at least... That six power is the equivalent to using every reactive power on the other side of a card. Exactly. Exactly. So the next thing I want to mention about this is you you mentioned the the I almost said wild. The crit pierce. Um I think that maybe, and we don't know yet. We haven't had the tactics cards from this box spoiled yet. And we know she's coming with a new leadership. So maybe there is a tactics card or something to do with the Hellfire Club leadership that makes crits yeah. do something. Maybe, and that's the only thing I could possibly see there being. It'd be really nice to see an affiliation where the first crit you roll in each attack has an additional dice, but again, I don't know how hard that would be to keep up with and how that could possibly interact with other mechanics in the game, but it's definitely interesting to see. Yes, exactly. So uh, now let's talk about these superpowers here. The first yep. one is an active superpower. So we have an active superpower. She gets to actually do something on her turn instead of reacting to all the time. Yep. Sometimes one must get their hands dirty. It's going to cost you three power. Choose an interactive terrain feature of size three or less and within range two and throw it medium. This superpower can be used only once per turn. I love it. I mean, and we mentioned Brotherhood earlier, giving her access to a terrain throw. Yep. Pretty nice. Really powerful. I mean, the fact that she, in a way, has access to a size 3 throw and a size 4 throw is really powerful. It, it's going to catch people out, 
because she's such a little character that when she turns around and he's throwing your Ryan or your lizard at someone, it's going to be a little bit of a shock to the system, and it's definitely going to hurt if you haven't got that brace for impact lined up or another way to avoid that damage. Absolutely. So it's a really nice superpower. The only thing for me is the fact that it's range two. We look at other characters with slightly longer grab ranges, but again, it is size three, so I guess it does work out in the end. Yeah, it's but... a nice medium range, so yeah. it's a fairly chunky throw. It is only three as opposed to the six on a spender. I would be spending three on this all the time. Yep. Yeah, I'm right there with you, John. I think the fact that it's the medium throw really is the thing. I mean, look at a character like yep. Lizard, right? I think Lizard's throw is only short. Yep. Yeah. Granted, he can throw characters too, but the fact that this gives you access to a medium range throw, I think is is really what's going to catch people off guard with this superpower. And the fact that it's size free means that it can actually really add some potential damage output with four damage incoming. Exactly. The next superpower we have here, and in fact, the rest of the superpowers we have here are all innate. So while she's yep. in diamond form, these are always active. The next one is Diamond Mind. This character cannot play Team Tactics cards. It's definitely a funky one um, right there. Um, yeah. We've never seen this before. Just flat not being able to is a big, big deterrent from having her on this side. However, if you've got your tactics cards planned out and you sort of know what you're doing with them anyway, it might not affect you too much. It's very interesting to see. Um, I really like the way they've gone with the designs that she's gone from being a completely reactive character on one side to a completely sort of innate tank on this side in a way. Really, really interesting for me. And it's nice to see that We've got a super powerful one that isn't just about benefiting the character. It almost hinders her in a way. Very, yeah. very unique. Yeah. John, I, I want to get your take on this because you play X-Men and I know you've dabbled in anything mutants really. And I feel like that this could have a pretty big impact. Yeah. I'm not a fan of this on the card. I saw it and instantly went, oh, I really don't like that. Um just from a character standpoint, I know Emma Frost goes into diamond form and she becomes physically more difficult to deal with and she becomes more hard to deal with, but she doesn't become completely mentally incapable of leading a team, <laughs> completely mentally incapable of reacting to anything. Yeah. I'm not sure why they've suddenly decided she cannot contribute to team tactics cards or play team tactics cards. It's a yeah. real downside to her as a character and it can really suffer and cause some problems with some teams. What's weird is that as a possible affiliation leader, they were probably um, going to be cards with, she has to play. with her being, you know, the one that comes with this new leadership card. Not having your leader able to contribute is, to me, to like imagine if Spider Man couldn't play or webbed up. It's really weird. I think the real question is if their leadership card is on a team's tactics card, i.e., Weapon X, yeah. and she goes into diamond form. Can she no longer trigger it? Can she not trigger it? Do the team still get the benefits from it? Or because she can't play team tactics cards, does that now no longer become viable until she goes back into physical form? I'd like to think that it will be played at the start of the game and therefore stays active, but it's definitely something that could cause a couple of questions with people. Uh, that would be my assumption, but if it's one of those where when somebody is targeted by yeah. Emma Frost may spend, if she's in diamond form, then she can't. Can she or can't she? Yeah. It, it's a really weird design aspect that I'm not a fan of personally, to be honest. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I think it presents a lot of questions that we're going to have to wait, unfortunately, forever to get the answers to. 
So definitely one of the things about this that I find interesting is so on her normal side, I keep wanting to say healthy. It's just normal on her normal side. She has a defense against throws, right? You, yep. You've got the collision thing for two power. Whereas in her diamond form, if you transformed into diamond form and then let's say a rhino's coming at you and now can throw something at you, well, yep. now you can't play Brace for Impact. No, it's, re it's really weird. Um, it's really interesting how this character interacts with Brace for Impact, both when she wants to use it and both when the opponent does. It's really, I actually do genuinely believe it's really interesting because she shakes it up so much. You know, there are so many questions around how does Emma interact with Brace for Impact in this scenario? How does Emma interact attacking a character or throwing something at them with Brace for Impact? Definitely very interesting and a yeah. unique design decision. Absolutely. So her next innate superpower is far from my best look. If this character begins its activation as Emma Frost Diamond, at the end of that activation, it transforms into Emma Frost Normal. So basically what this means, you have no control over when you transform in any way with Emma. It is when you're targeted by an attack to get into diamond form. If you start in diamond form and your activation, then you're going to end as normal form. So I think what that means is as you're playing her, keeping in mind her ranges, the things that she's going to be able to get the most value out of when she's in both forms and trying to play around that. The interesting thing to me is, and we've still got two other things to cover here on Diamond Form, but I'm going to go ahead and pose this question to you guys first. I think that we're building a picture of one form that is quote-unquote better than the other. And I think there might be a play pattern where your opponent puts pressure on you to stay in the quote-unquote less good form. Do you guys see that as well, John? I'm going to start with you. Yeah, I think it's going to be very scenario-specific. I think there are some scenarios, particularly something like Gamma Wave or somewhere like that, where if you can get her onto the middle or even onto your opponents and keep her in diamond form, she's going to be a pain to deal with. But I think generally on something like a B-shape or a D-shape or something like that, your opponent is just going to allow you to sit at the back, put loads of pressure on you with somebody with a bigger range and just try to keep you in diamond form so that you are having very minimal impact on A, how their team can react to things, and B, any real kind of attack back, because with everything being range two, somebody sitting at range three or range four is just going to be able to pop at her all day from there. Yeah, I think um, she's... It's going to be interesting to see. Absolutely. I think she's really going to have a hard time with, like, rapid-fire type things. Yeah. sure. You know? And, Aaron, how do you feel about this question? Yeah, I can sort of only really echo what John says, to be honest. It, it puts her in a weird position where not only is it sort of a mini-game for you to play, it's a mini-game for your opponent to play, because they are probably going to know which form they want her in. If they don't like the shenanigans she pulls on her normal side, they're going to be targeting her with those physical attacks to sort of force you into the diamond form, and it's actually quite hard for, to avoid going into diamond form, really, if they're piling on with those attacks. So it's really interesting. It, it creates a whole dynamic for both sides of the table. Um, opens up a lot of questions and shuts down a lot of things based on which form she's into. It's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, she's really going to hate somebody like Bucky or Hawkeye sitting across from the table and going, just stay in diamond form, I'm not interested. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the next innate ability we have here is psychic immunity. This character cannot be pushed or advanced as a result of enemy mystic attacks or superpowers. Additionally, when defending against mystic attacks, this character counts blank results in its defense role as successes. So whenever she's targeted by mystics, she can't be moved. And then, well, she can still be thrown, but that's a whole other thing. Uh, yep. But can't be <laughs> web warriors. She shuts down the web warriors again just innately and yep. doesn't have to pay for it, which I think is really nice. It, it's super interesting to see the inverted version where it's sort of instead of giving this ability to other characters, she has it herself innately. It's nice that it's innate. And again, that 4-4-4 defense line is suddenly just so solid because it's got that extra added defense against Mystic that she really does become quite tanky in the right situations. Against Convocation, they're going to really struggle. She'll either have five defense dice or she'll just straight up have four counting blanks. You know, against a rapid fire character like Hood, he's not going to be able to do much with those four dice mystic attacks. It's really quite interesting to see. The four counting blanks is better than the five. Can confirm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So this is just really interesting to me because it's like the best thing on her diamond form. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I definitely question. agree. I mean, it's it's so weird, and I just, I don't know, I'm I'm over here thinking to myself, like, this character seems purpose-built to shut down Convocation. That's all I'm reading on this card. For sure, definitely. I think maybe this all built into white so expensive for it to change back into a normal form at will, and that the only real option to do that is with that big spender, because she is very powerful on that normal side version of herself. Um, she's got a lot of reactive powers, so you've got, you've really got to pay sort of over and above to unlock that all again during your own turn. Yep. And the final bit of innate abilities that she has is some immunities. She's immune yep. to bleed, incinerate, poison, and stun. So, John, what does this mean if she has those conditions when she's in normal form and transforms into diamond form? Does it, what does this mean? This means that they all automatically disappear because she is now immune to those in her diamond form. So they will be almost just wiped off the table and gone away. And this is the second best thing on this side of the card right here. For sure. If you're playing against Hydra and they've somehow given you three of these four, the fact that you, you know, you're almost getting a whole activation's worth of shaking for free. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, this to me is interesting in terms of the objective play that she has yeah. where something like a demons or something might at first seem like a bad objective for her but i think that's actually an incredibly good objective for her yeah because suddenly you know the the opponent's left with the option of okay i'm not going to target her because it means she doesn't get incinerate but in that case she still scores the point where you do target her and she becomes arguably even better at scoring that point. It's really, really difficult um, to weigh what the best route of attack is in that situation, I believe. Exactly. Uh, I'm right there with you. I think that when I'm thinking about Emma in a squad, and we'll talk about where she should go in affiliations here in just a second, but like, yep. I'm thinking anywhere that likes demons is going to be a good spot for Emma because of this built-in immunity, whereas, like you just said, if you target her with an attack and she had the incinerate condition on her, boom, she automatically gets to change. Like, the only character, yeah. the only character in the game 
that keeps her from changing is Mystique. Yep. So it's good. Yeah, like this is one of those things where I think that there are going to be very specific instances for when you want to deploy Emma, and I think that this will be one of them. In in for sure. So, with all of that said, gentlemen, let's now talk about affiliations. And Aaron, where do you feel like she's going to be affiliated from the start? Um, where do I think she'll be affiliated? Probably Brotherhood of Mutants and Uncanny X-Men. More likely so, just Uncanny X-Men. However, she, she does sort of dabble and bat for both sides, really. Um, in the comics and in the movies. So those would be my two first guesses. I don't know the character well enough to say whether she'll be in any sort of really out there affiliations, you know, sort of like Ulick being thrown into Crimson. <laughs> right. um, but other than that, those would be my first two guesses. So, John, what about you? I think that's probably sums it up, right? Yeah, I think those two are the best ones. I think we could potentially see her squeaked into Cabal. There have been a few yeah. times she's done a little bit of renegade work outside yep. of mutantism. Yep. Um, but I think that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, I think another one that would be like a Dark Horse surprise candidate would be something like A-Force. Yeah, I did consider that, but I just don't know the character well enough. Yeah, I don't see it. But uh, No, too much of an unpleasant lady, I think, to get along with yep. A-Force. Yeah. Yep. A and Cabal, I think, is a really nice, that's a good call. And then we also know that she's going to have her own affiliation, which I'm... I don't even want to sure. get down the rabbit hole of speculating who's going to be in the Hellfire Club, but it's oh, it's a it's a long, long, long chain to jump down that one. It's yes. a very long list of C and D listers, though. Yes. If we're being honest, exactly. Weird. Yeah, and we don't have Sebastian Shaw in the game yet, so who's she going to be partying with? I don't even know. So, it's cool. all of this to say now, John, let's get your take on. Give me two affiliations where you think she's going to shine. Uh, I think she's 100% going to shine within something like Cabal where she's going in power. I think that range four builder on her good side is going to net her excess power and allow her to do all the kind of transforming, throwing shenanigans that she needs. Okay, let me stop you right there um, real quick. Do you feel like that she has room in Cabal for a four-threat character when you have these other characters like a maybe a Killmonger, a Loki you know, just any any number, an Ulick now of characters I think, I think it, that fit so well. What, yeah, they do. I think it depends what you want to go with. Somebody like Killmonger is great. You take yourself the throne, there's the opportunity for two extra VP, but he's only offering you physical and energy attacks, which lots of Cabal are offering you. But for a threat cheaper than Modok, you've got yourself a fairly solid mystic attacker on a physical side that is going to generate power is going to make good use of power, and unlike Modok, is probably more sturdy when she flips and will stick around a little bit longer yeah. when targeted. So I, I think there's a good switch out there if you want to give her a go and give find her a home. Okay. All right, what's your next one? Uh, the next one, I think we've got to look at the throws. We've got to look at the power generation. We assume she's going to be affiliated there potentially, so I'm saying Brotherhood is the other good one. Okay, nice, nice. Well, I'm going to take mine and Aaron, I'm going to save you for last just because I don't want you to nice. steal mine. So, uh, nice. So I think that she would play very well in Convocation, sort of. And this, of, of course, anybody that's been listening to this for a long time, you know I've been playing the Wizards for a while. 
And I think Emma is an interesting piece for them, especially kind of how I like to play. I like to play a little bit more murdery with my wizards than objective-y, if that makes sense. And I think, yep. like I mentioned before, the demons downtown option, I think, really opens up with a character like Emma because at that point you have Dr. Voodoo and Clea if you're willing to play Clea, which I have like PTSD from when I deleted my own Clea by rolling four oh, skulls. It was hilarious. Yes, I, I have PTSD from that, so I haven't actually, and I'm being serious when I say this, put Clea on the board since then. <laughs> it was like it was like eight months ago or something but either way i haven't done that in a while i haven't put clean up but she's immune to incinerate dr voodoo's immune to incinerate and then you have a character like emma who functionally is immune to incinerate yep i find that very interesting and i am when i play convocation i'm very much like you know, I've got to have Strange Supreme, got to have Strange Supreme, got to have Strange Supreme. I think that there's a world where you can leave Strange Supreme at home, and I don't think that Emma is a one-for-one -one replacement for the superior Strange, not in any way, shape, or form. However, having a Voodoo, Emma, Clea, maybe Magic and Ancient One, and, and kind of like mixing and matching all of that and saying, okay, I'm going to play a little wider. I think there might be something there. And I think Emma kind of makes that interesting. I don't know if it's good, yeah, for sure. but it's interesting. For sure. So, so that's like my number one spot that I'm thinking of, of, of maybe putting her somewhere. Another spot that I think would be like a dark horse kind of spot would be like an inhumans. Because yeah, I think everyone has a weird interaction in humans, don't they? Because of the way yeah. their leadership is just really, really good, um, if we're being honest. So definitely interesting that you would say that. I assume it's because of the ability to move around the power. I mean, that's really all it is. And being able to say, okay, yeah. cool, she's going to burn all of her power on her turn, and then someone's going to feed her one so that she has access to the transform. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What about you, Aaron? Where do you, where do you feel like she should go? So a dark horse for me would be Midnight Suns. Um, you mentioned affiliations that love demons downtown. They've got Ghost Rider and Blade who really don't care about Incinerate that much. Emma in that scenario fits in quite nicely. Dr. Voodoo but too, he's affiliated. So, yeah, Voodoo as well, sorry. Um, but more so the reason I think she could be quite good in there is if you have Emma and Ghost Rider, the amount of stuff you can do in your opponent's turn is pretty bonkers. You know, you get in power when your characters are damaged on Ghost Rider. You can deny pulls and pushes with uh, Emma Frost. Ghost Rider can punish people for rolling crit. Emma can deny throws into herself. There's really a lot of stuff that you can suddenly have access to during your turn. If you've managed to fit in Doctor Strange as well, then you've got the option to throw up extra defense dice. You, you, you know, you're denying those pushes and advances, as I mentioned. You're punishing people for rolling crits. Suddenly, you play an awful lot of the game during your opponent's turns. Yeah, it's very interactive, I think, with her and Midnight Suns. And I think it's interesting that you didn't mention the leadership because I do not feel like she wants anything to do with this leadership because she wants to use her power for other things. But, yeah, but there might be some such certain situations where it really helps to get those range two attacks on her 
Dolman for. That's exactly what I was going to say is like there are those times where it's going to be great. And you mentioned playing a lot of the game on your opponent's turn. Let's not forget that one of the things that's popular with Midnight Suns is to play Mystique and then use Siege of Darkness on Mystique's turn because it doesn't say a exactly. Midnight Suns character's activation. It can be any character's activation and then you can play Siege of Darkness. So what that means is you can say, I'm activating Emma, I'm playing Siege of Darkness, and boom, no one gets reactive abilities, and you're blasting them all to hell. Yeah, it's mega powerful. And then she can go in with, you know, that crazy spender psychic attack that she's got and just throw someone about, and suddenly you've had a turn where you've gone absolutely insane because Mystique can do a bit of damage with her, you know, rapid-fire attack, but not quite to the extent that Emma can with her psychic spike and her spender. No, not even close. Not even close. Yeah. So so I really like Midnight Suns as an example there. It's that's one that I, I think is really spicy. You got another yeah, one? The um other affiliation I'd say should probably work well in is A Force, just because to me they have such an abundance of power gain. Yes. Uh, with you know the ability whenever another our character is attacked. And the fact that she can then use that power to support our character is really powerful. And then lastly, I'm going to throw in another curveball, which is Asgard. She's got all of those immunities. You know, she's got mm -hmm. all of those shenanigans to keep the bigger Asgardians from being manipulated and pushed around. But then on top of that, the leadership, the fact she's immune to four conditions, she's got pretty solid defenses. Her healing or removing other conditions is going to be super powerful. Yeah. And I think being able to get rid of a stagger on her is going to be really powerful. But 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 Beta Ray Bill's coming. Don't put Emma in there. Beta Ray Bill's coming. He's got hard competition to fit in there, but it is one that came to mind for me. Yeah, no, I think that's an interesting one. And anywhere that you want to deny people being moved and being manipulated, yep. like you, I'm going to go back to Midnight Suns. Midnight Suns have a real problem with the control game and having for a character sure. like Emma that can shield mind and keep them from being pushed or placed or advanced. I think is is definitely huge. So, Aaron, you were kind enough to uh, put on your Facebook page some show questions for us. And yep. unfortunately, we're running a little long, so we're not going to be able to get to all of them. However, I think if we work quickly and maybe if one of us answers each one, we might be able to run through them all. All right. Well, I'm going to start here. And I, I sorted this by newest on here, you know, so that take that's for what it's worth. I'm going to go yep. with Sean Davies here. He says, how awesome is Scarlet Spider, and when do you think AMG will give him to us, and why will he be the best character in the game? I'm taking this because that's one of my favorite characters. Yeah, Mom, for sure. I love Ben Riley. I think he is he's awesome. To me, he is the Spider-Man. Like, you know, Scarlet Spider is my jam, the hoodie, all of that stuff. I even like the new costume, the the one where he was in like the black and red. Like, I like that too. But the old school 90s, like I have the key issue comic of his first appearance in that costume with like the blue hoodie yep. and the red suit. Love it. Anyways, I think he's awesome. And I think that since we're just now getting some web warriors, we're probably looking at at least another six months out before we get some more. Definitely. It's, it's sad to say, but it's going to be a long time before we get any more. Yeah. So I'm going to save the ones we have got. Exactly. And will he be the best character in the game? I mean, obviously he will be the best character in the game, just period. I mean, yeah, why would they do that to us? Isn't every new character the best character in the game? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so what's the next, next one? Up, 
I think if we throw this one to John, seeing as it's from another friendly neighbourhood, John, John Naylor is asking, who's a better Web Warriors player, myself or Mike DeLuca? I think he's joking there, as his actual question is, serious question, what's the best way to deal with a tall roster that you physically can't beat in a brawl? John, you might have some experience with this with your X-Men, so what would you give as an answer for this? Yeah, so in terms of the best Web Warriors player, I'm pleading the fifth. <laughs> nice. um, and then after that, I think a tall list that you physically can't beat in a brawl is the kind of list where when you see it set up across you, you 100% have to try and plan each turn out in terms of objectives and scores. Yeah. You need to know, can I go two or three points up in round one? Can I get another two points up in round two, barring any miraculous shenanigans where they daze a couple of characters? And just try and plan out early at what point you think you are going to have enough points to just sneak it out as long as nothing goes horribly wrong. That's an and interesting that's take. how I've played X-Men for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, can I comment on this one as well? Of, we have course, time? of course, Will. It wouldn't be fair if we didn't let you. It's your podcast, <laughs> after all. Well, so this is one of those things that I think is really interesting. To your point, John, definitely identifying where your scores are going to come from because you're going to have to play ahead on points. But for me, yep. when I see a tall roster, it's identifying what the key cog is that makes their machine run. For instance, obviously if you see a Thanos over there, right? If you see him across the board, you have to understand what he's going to be doing and know that you're going to lose characters. And you have to try to make your opponent choose characters that you want them to have and trying to identify those matchups of like, okay, cool. I feel like I can deal with this character. I might not be able to physically beat them, but maybe I have a control element or I have some mobility that's going to give this character problems. Stuff like that. Yeah, I think, I think that's a really good point. Yeah. What do you got, Aaron, for the next question or, or if you want to comment on this one? Um, just sort of echoing what you two say. As a web warrior player, I like to try and out, out control them and sort of outplay them on the objectives as well. So it's a really great idea and a, the best way to deal with them. If you haven't got that, sometimes you might need to force, you know, brawl and go with the best fights for you. And it definitely can be difficult. Next question, though, is we've had a lot of info and stats come out of LVO, which I believe is Las Vegas Open. Do you feel that the meta is such over here in the British tournament scene reflects what's being played in the US? Personally, I don't think it reflects it too much. I think that it's a very common thing in game systems that there's sort of a British meta, an American meta, an Australian meta. Excuse the pun, but the Australian meta can sometimes be quite literally upside down from what I've <laughs> seen in games like Lord of the Rings, uh, which is MESPG. I don't think it entirely reflects the British meta, as I don't really believe we've seen an awful lot of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I believe did extremely well over there. Um, we really didn't see any Web Warriors, and everyone knows I'm a big Web Warrior advocate, so definitely interesting how different it is over there compared to here. Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting. I can't speak to over there, but I definitely feel like that we're going to see a bit of a quote-unquote meta shift. I don't really like to use that word that often, but I do feel yeah. like anytime someone wins something, it, it ends up just trickling into everything else, right? For sure. I think we'll see more people playing Shield, but I don't think it's going to dominate the meta over here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Will, would you like to answer the next one? Uh, so I've got them sorted by newest, so I guess... I will go with the Sentinels one from Liam Woods. So Liam says, yep. does Sentinels leadership from getting 20 damage on a Hulk as they don't daze? I think what he's trying to say here is, do you still get the Sentinels leadership from Hulk 
because you do the 20 damage and and it says Hulk doesn't daze. Hulk actually does daze. He he does get a dazed token. You do not instantly remove him from the board. Now, it used to be more relevant when we had things like field dressing, but he yeah. does daze. So you will still get the Sentinel's leadership once you have done that 20 damage to Hulk. Yeah, man. Um, moving up next after that then, Will. Uh, we've only got a couple left. We do need to answer them pretty quickly. John... Long story short, should you take Lockjaw in Hydra to help with movement? And also, is it worth playing Scientific Method on him? Uh, I'm not the biggest Lockjaw fan, yeah. I will be honest. I think Lockjaw has some great turn one play. I think he has some all right turn two play. And then once everybody has moved away from him up the board to do the things they need to do, I think he really struggles to find his purpose. I think Hydra have enough characters they have enough clout to put scientific method on somebody else at three cost, yeah. maybe X-23, for example, or somebody that is just going to go absolutely mad. I don't think Lockjaw, and I could be horribly wrong, but I don't think he really has a home no. there. Uh, that question was from Andrew Brown, which is one of the big guys in the Southwest scene in the UK. So big shout out to him. Hopefully he'll be making his way over to one of our events here soon and we can meet up with him and see those Hydra in person. Will, the last question um, is sort of directed to myself, so if you don't mind, I'll take the rest of that one. Yeah, go for it. Why don't you go for it? Yeah, go right ahead. That one is just, do Agent Venom or Jess make the cut for Aaron's webhead roster, asking for a friend from Ben Harris, also known as Panzer. The long and short of it is, yes, they both make the cut. He had a follow-up question, is who drops out? And for me at the minute, I think the two characters that I've been running that I'll be dropping out are possibly X-23, and maybe Mystique. I do need to have another proper look at it. I've not really had a chance of being at work. I think those are the two that come out for now. Bucky definitely stays in my team at the minute, and they make their way in. So that is all of the show questions. Will, thank you for helping us quickly run through those. Yeah, I appreciate you posting that. It's uh, it's one of those things I need to get better about just as a, as a podcast host is trying to make sure I get the time for the questions and everything. But you've got you've to run, and I appreciate you guys being here with me today. And real quick, where can people find you? So you can find me on almost every social media platform as Web Warrior Protocols, the Facebook, the Instagram, the Twitter, all the same. And then YouTube is our main platform at the minute. There is also a blog with plenty of backed up content and the UK events calendar, which Ron Walker very gratefully uh, helps me manage. So you can find me on pretty much anything under that tag of Web Warrior Protocols. Absolutely, and I know John is often lurking in the House Party Protocol Discord, which if you're interested in getting access to that, you can check out patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol. For as little as a dollar a month or 12 bucks a year, you can come and hang out in the coolest, chillest, realest, and illest, and maybe even the thrillest Discord yep. channel out there. Oh, without question. For sure. Yes, I, I gotta say, I appreciate everybody over there and all of that. Make sure to Check out BattleKiwi.com. Use the promo code PARTYKIWI for 10% off your first order with them. That battle box is legit. Don't sleep on it. Make sure you get the metal tray attachment so that you can take it to tournaments and have your, your roster right there. It's excellent. Yep. Don't leave home without it, seriously. Uh, also, give Aaron and John some love on the YouTubes and the Facebooks. Hit that like button, all that fun stuff. And then uh, also, don't forget, we're doing a giveaway currently for Agent Venom. Spider-Woman, Beta Ray Bill, and the newest member of the criminal syndicate, Ulick. And 
That's yeah, just sure. like I think if we need a keyword for today's episode, well, it's got to be trolling, as well, that's definitely what AMG have done with Ulick, um, and they've done it perfectly. Funny that you mentioned that because that was last week's episode. Was the secret oh, word no. was trolling? <laughs> no. Yeah, uh, but I I think we say uh, maybe like trolls wear or something like that. I don't know. We got to come up with something though. Um, what about, uh, what about surprise? Just because surprise. I was surprised by where everyone's affiliated. Yes, I, I like it. I like it. It's, it's surprise affiliation, you know, all that fun stuff. So just surprise will be your secret code yep. word for this week because yeah, lots of surprises, lots of fun. And, uh, yeah, I don't think there's anything else I really need to mention. Fellas. No, that's it, Will. Yeah. Well, thank y'all so much for being with me today. I really appreciate it. It's been too long i've missed it and uh with that party on aaron party on will and party on john party on will and power down suits